My name is John Corbin, and I'm here to hear your stories. Today, my guest, a Canadian rap sensation, although he hates it when people call him that, one of the best rappers in Canada, putting together an incredibly varied career of meaningful art and conversation. A longtime friend, so long time that I skipped the credentials. You are about to listen to a sampling of one of the many conversations that he and I have had over, yikes, almost 20 years of knowing each other. It's Shad, coming up on the John Corbett Podcast. It's the John Corbin Podcast. I'm here with my special guest. Who are you and what do you do? My name is Shad, Shadrach Kabango. Uh, I'm an artist. More specifically, uh, I rap. And I also host a show called Hip Hop Evolution or have hosted a show called Hip Hop Evolution. Uh, that's who I am and that's what, I'm, what I've been up to. Welcome, Shad. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here, man. Been looking forward to this. Oh, word. Shad, who do you hold close? I hold close my family that I live with in this home. That's my wife, my two kids, and my brother. I hold close um, many communities here in Toronto, from my family to my friends, uh, colleagues, church family, neighbors, and other, other communities I belong to, including the music community. Um, but also people are a, a bit of scattered all over the country and all over the, the world. My parents live in Rwanda, and I have some friends there and most of my extended family. Um, I have family in Houston, um, on my wife's side, family in Nova Scotia, New Jersey, and elsewhere, I've lived in Vancouver and have some dear friends there. I grew up in London. I have some dear friends there. Those are all the people I I belong to. That's a, a lot of people. <laughs> it's just who I am. That's my story. I, I'm you know I I like that phrase. You know I've come to like that phrase. These are they're all people I belong to. Hmm. From the from the GTA on out to you know many corners of the world like these are all people i belong to that's got to be a pretty rich feeling i feel you know i feel very very fortunate i feel like if i can hang on to my if i if i'm blessed with many years and i can hang on to my mind i i'll i'll be able to entertain myself by just thinking of all the wonderful people you know uh that that I belong to. I want to ask, how do you manage? But I, what I'm wondering is, are you the kind of person that when you show up into any one of those communities, you can pick up where you left off? Do you feel a challenge to maintain connections with um, so many folks? How do you, I got, I'll say, how do you yeah. manage? Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think I understand your question. Like I said earlier, in many ways, I just feel like this is just who I am. It's just my story. It's just my life. So um, I don't have 
much of a choice and I don't I don't feel like it's I don't feel like it's a challenge as much as it is a rich blessing like you were saying hmm. that's good you know like the uh I think I, I understand or or I work I work on developing a sense of like what that really what what each relationship should feel like you know it's just realistic right and but, but but what it should still feel like so picking up where we left off is not a bad way to to put it I do feel like that with with many people because you know the affection for lack of a better term is is there you know the, the love is there the bond is there that's probably the better word the bond is strong um even if the reality is of course if there's somebody in vancouver whatever it's like we're not we're not interacting on a daily basis nor should we be mm -hmm. right like we should we should each be where we are mm -hmm. but um but the bond is is strong and it is what it is so um so yeah it's definitely it's definitely part of my life is is maintaining relationships as it should be for anybody but i do feel like it's a lot less of a challenge than it is just you know probably the greatest joy of my life hmm that's real shad what inspires you i love that question <laughs> because uh, some years ago, I stumbled on this definition of inspiration that really works for me. I feel like inspiration is when you see something pure. And that can mean many things. That can mean the honesty. That can mean the level of effort and attention that's been poured into the craft, you know, where it really comes from a place of, you know, wanting to honor the craft and honor the audience. It can be a moment with my one of my children, you know, but there's something, there's a quality to it that is just pure. It's clear, it's clarifying. And that is, so anything that is that is inspiring to me. Um, I find that in music, obviously. I'm drawn to music naturally. I love music. And so when I, I find those moments in music, that fills me with, inspiration fills me with a desire to create it clarifies what's inside me okay that's probably the best way to put it it clarifies what's inside me i see something pure in it and it helps me see myself more clearly and what i have to offer more clearly mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask and then you you said it that it sort of sparks this desire to create um can you can you describe that process when you catch that clarity? Yeah. And how you then respond, whether that's uh internally or or then like moving to create? Are you able yeah. to articulate that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I I'll just give an example. It's probably the best way to explain. Like I heard a song on the radio the other day. Um that I'd never heard before is a song called 17 going under. I okay. looked it up. I looked it up afterwards. It's, it's definitely got like a heavy Bruce Springsteen kind of influence. And it's clearly, it's one of those, you know, Bruce Springsteen esque, like young, honest, raw, 
rock songs. It's, it's okay. definitely, you know, it's been done a million times, but it's like, but that doesn't make it any less honest or true when somebody mm -hmm. does it, you know, and, and this kid really did it. And immediately I, I was just getting this clarity about my own life and story and, and feelings. And, uh, and then, so to answer your question, I feel like what happens then is everything is poetry. Everything is beautiful. Anything you say, because it's true. Hmm. That's really what I find is, uh, as soon as I get to the truth, everything's good. So, um, so that's an example, you know, so that's, I heard that song is just really just clarifying for me, just like, just filled me with like a clear sense, a clearer sense of my own story and my own life and everything I was thinking and writing down. It was like, that's the best thing I've written in months <laughs> just because it was true. True. Yeah. Just because it was honest. So that's that's really what the process is like um, for me, John. Or sometimes I'll just like, you know, sit down to work, like in a wor very workmanlike fashion of like, okay, time to work, and uh, and then I might again stumble upon something that that is good to me, you know, feels true or or just surprises me. That's always an indication for me too is when I'm surprised by something. I come mm -hmm. up with it feels better than me. Um, that's when I'm like, okay, that's cool. Let me build on that. <laughs> I'm resonating with everything you're saying and, and, uh, and my mind half like leaking to those memories where I've had those similar experiences. Um, I think the surprising stuff for me is usually like coming back, coming back to it, either a, a demo or, or even a finished song and just like, yo, I, like, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, yeah. You want to have that feeling. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Um, I, I resonate with a bunch of that. I was out with the kids tonight and uh, watching soccer, watching them play soccer, and I uh, just threw on a song and boom, boom, boom. Like, just, just that, res just, just that response. And then you want to write, and then you, like, I find that especially if I'm responding to music, I want to join in the conversation. Mm. I felt that for years. I always thought it was a bit of an ego thing, where it, but no, it's just actually your creativity inspires me to work. Right. I just, so it's like what I should have done and maybe will do in the future is make, is insert myself into those songs um, mm. just for my own, uh, just for the, my own conversation, Yeah, you know, record yeah. over this, you know, the spare sections and all that kind of stuff. And, it's, yeah, I just your work inspires me, and so I wanted to, to join. Yeah, that's that's a great way of uh, of thinking about it too. She, my wife Sheila and I we we use the word participate a lot when it comes to music. It's like ultimately that's what we love. We, we love just participating. Mm -hmm. We're inspired to participate. Like, yeah, we hear stuff we love. We want to join. We want to offer something to that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, and, I feel that. And then I guess like one of the things that's true in the in those moments is it doesn't matter if you made the song in or if they made the song in Nigeria or South Dakota or Germany, they're just a person making music. It doesn't matter if they have a million streams or seven. 
they're just a person making music and all of a sudden like yes. yeah there's this leveling or flattening here where it's like no i you did something and i can respond like i wanted to participate and that's and maybe what i make then i can share with my community or whatever but you're just a person you're yes. not a you're not what the industry has built you up to be or any industry yes um, you, you just make music you know that's it it's just like you know if we want if we want to get woo woo about it like which i love to do uh you know it's just <laughs> It really is just inspiration passing around. Yeah. That's all it is, you know, and uh, you receive it and then you pass it on. Whether that's to yeah. your, your, like you said, whether that's to a local community or whether that's to a million people on Spotify, it's like, it's still just, it's still the same thing. You got something and you're passing it on. And, Word. um, and that thing encourages more people to participate. I imagine that you would have had to keep some form of that approach in mind when you are sitting down with major hip hop artists or um, notable people through your, you know, your one of your past jobs at CBC. I imagine that. Um, yeah, you would you would need to be level headed and maintain a consideration of the humanity of the folks that you're interviewing. Yeah, absolutely. I loved I love that about about both jobs. It's just um, you know ho that hosting in that true sense of the term of like this person is my guest, my invited guest, and um, and it's my job to be the first to disarm myself. Hmm. Right. Um, in order for them to feel welcome and for them to feel like they can be a human being. <clears throat> and yeah, I loved, uh, I love that because yeah, they, they, they are, they are human beings, but <clears throat> the dynamic of those conversations when they start is I'm nervous okay. and they're nervous. Yeah because they're meeting a stranger and they're going to be asked questions about, they're going to be asked to tell their story and it's going to be documented in some form. So they're, they're nervous no matter what their stature is. And I'm nervous, obviously. So how can I facilitate that? I have to start. I'm the host, right? I have to begin by letting my guard down, my defenses down in, in some way I have to, you know, demonstrate my welcome, my humanity. I, I love that challenge. You know, it's like, I like, I like when jobs present challenges that ultimately like just make you a better person. Like there's stuff, they, they, they it's stuff you should do anyways, <laughs> but then you have to. So, yeah. you know what I mean? I love that. Well, we're recording uh, Labor Day, and so tomorrow's the first day of school, and I'm back in, in class. And, uh, yeah, what you just said articulated so much of that process, right? They're nervous, and so am I. And we have to figure each other out. And what an interesting posture. It's, it's one I hope I've adopted for most of my career, but... Um, nobody's perfect what an interesting posture to come in and and sort of disarm yourself be welcoming yeah 
Yeah, that, it's, uh, it's it's really it's really it's I really like the the challenge of the posture that you should maintain because you kind of have to you well you should be disarming yourself, emptying yourself of a, as much ego and fear as possible, but not being empty. If that right. makes sense, right? Like you actually have to be a you have to be a presence in order for them to have something to interact with. So you don't want to be vacant. You don't want to be nothing. You want to be the the real you when yeah. you take away the real humanity when you take away all that other stuff. It's a good, again, it's a thing that we should all do in our life. But when you have a job that forces you to, <laughs> it's it helps. Shad, describe yourself in one word. This was the one question when I was preparing I was having trouble with. It's the hardest one. I mean, and I'm a rapper. I'm a poet. Concision is my forte. <laughs> but one word is hard. Um, I am grateful. Word. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful to be a part of a huge, unimaginably huge thing that I believe in my heart is fundamentally good. I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for um, all the people I belong to, like we were talking about earlier. Um, I'm, I'm the sum of all those people. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Word. I I mean we're gonna we're gonna talk about our, our connection, but I feel like mm -hmm. we've known each other for this twenty twenty one. It might be eighteen years, something like that. <laughs> um I can't remember if I met you in O two or O three. Yeah. But knowing you that long, one of the words that I would use to describe you is convicted. Mm. that you have such strong conviction even in the statement that you just said about the hope that this is good mm. that is not a universal statement no right we are no. we are often wrestling with the difficulties in our world yes that you would walk around with this hope that it's good mm. demonstrates such strong conviction there's a quietness about that, but I mean, I can't add in more words if I'm only giving you one word. Um, but, you know, watching your career, ways that you'll speak on certain issues, um, especially when it comes to, say, say indigenous issues in, in Canada, you follow, you learn, and then you speak, mm. but you don't let go. Right. Mm. I didn't post this thing because it's the cool thing to do and, and I'm going to do it or we're talking about it right now. No, that's not. No, you'll be there in two weeks. You'll be there in two months. You'll be there in two years. You're paying attention because of conviction. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I think the two things are, are related, you know. Um, what What you're just talking about yeah, I, I'll feel a, 
I like to feel a sense of conviction before I enter into the conversation, before I make my contributions. But that's all really related for me to, to this idea that it's all fundamentally good. And, uh, and this is what I have to offer to the big thing. I don't, I don't have to do everything. I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let me listen for, for what I can do and try to sort of humbly offer that and, and trust that that's that's it that's what i got right right playing your playing your part playing your role yeah okay so i ask folks if they can remember um our first connection after can you remember where we met or what's your earliest memory of Mm -hmm. uh of you and i connecting Mm mm-hmm I'm fuzzy on the details of like a first encounter, but I, I remember us connecting first around music, around Radio Laurier, mm-hmm. I believe. And I knew you had a radio show. I saw you in there uh, in the in the booth, which is for people that don't know, Laurier is kind of in the middle of the student's center, you know, so you could see the DJs playing the radio show you, you could you could see who was who was playing whatever music was on radio laurier so i remember and of course hip-hop community at laurier was small so if someone was playing some hip-hop on radio laurier underground hip-hop yeah you're gonna you're gonna get a sense of who they are pretty quick if you're if you're into that and peek into the booth and see what's going on so that's how i must have come to know you and meet you must have been through Radio Laurier, um, but then we connected. Uh, we well, we connected around music. We connected around around deeper things too, faith and and race. I remember you sharing um, some very brave and candid things about your own life story, and you know, and and we just continued to bond over like all these shared things. Um, so. So yeah, I'm fuzzy on the details, John. Maybe you know better than I do of like a first encounter, but I do know it was it was music first. It was Radio Laurier, and that you know, yeah, that's what it was first. Yeah, you're you're right about the um, the music community, the hip hop community being small. You also reminded me about the intense divide between underground hip hop and like the club rap that was so heavily uh involved in 2001 2 and 3 like oh dude yeah so quick story on that so okay. the next versus battle is Ja Rule and Fat Joe oh my gosh and i was talking to my brother uh who's 23 yeah about about that he was he was like oh yeah who do you got in the versus battle and i'm like you got to understand man in my time <laughs> Ja Rule was a no-go. Like, if you were, he was a no-go. What like, would I be without my baby? Like, it was, he basically, to us, you know, he stole DMX's style and then just, mm-hmm. like, popified it. But uh, I understand, too, like, his gener- like his cohort, a generation, actually, he's a different yeah. generation than me, his generation, 
um, yeah, he had hits. He had the radio hits that they lo- that they loved as kids, you know. So yeah, to your point, absolutely. Uh, that was that was maybe the peak of it. Oh, Kanye wow. then collapsed it. Yep. He began to collapse it with the college dropout and subsequent albums. But to, at that point, it was it was peak, man. It was peak. You know, so my room, so my roommate in first year, which was two thousand and one. Um, had a big stereo and loved Ja Rule. <laughs> so I heard a lot of Ja Rule in my first year. Um, yeah, and then you and you remind me like, yeah, I was at college radio when the college dropout came out. I remember the DJ that like had the leaks and was yeah. playing them on the radio, and yeah, it totally collapsed it. But it's this thing. Yeah, we were there. It's a very, it's a very strange thing to to reflect yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so okay. I'm glad I was right on that detail. It was it was campus radio where we connected first. Yeah. So I again, I don't often have details. Um, I have about it. I did two years of college radio. I did, I have a year and a half of shows archived oh, just nice. for me to listen to. Um, as I learned how to mix, um, I, I practiced on the show, mixing songs and, and putting together, you know, extended, extended mixes. Um, but do you know who got me into the radio Laurier? No. It is your longtime collaborator, DJ Tilo. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He so like you said, you can see inside the booth, right? Yeah. So there's also there's also you know there's microphones. I don't remember if there's one that went directly into the student center. I think it's probably just him talking on the mic. But he's like, does anybody want to learn how to scratch? He's saying this on the show. So you know, I saw this once, and then I saw it twice, and eventually I just walked in, and just and he's like, hey, have a seat. So this is my first year. I don't know anybody. I'm in a new city. And I'm watching him uh, scratch Slum Village records. And it's like, oh, this is really cool. I've never seen a DJ work up close before. And he's doing a great job of scratching. And then, you know, I can't remember how many times I would sit in on the show. But at some point he said, you know, you could do this. You just apply. Tell him what stuff, what music you want to spin. And they might take you. Very offhanded comment. But that changed the course of my life so tremendously that's so crazy getting into getting into radio and doing that show and then that being an industry in where i was then like being sent music and and contacts and all it was yeah so that's so awesome shout out to tilo yeah so then the next year oh two i started with the show and again i can't remember when you you came on but because the community is so small um, there would be MCs that would want to come and freestyle on your show. Um, and so I remember the homie Fraser McDonald, a.k.a. Yes. Soul Natural, a.k.a. Oh, shoot, how many names did he have? The Myst- Lay Down the Mystic Ticket. Um, I can't remember. It. He had a bunch of them. Anyways, he was a guy that would freestyle. If you gave him, he would freestyle for how much ever time you give him. Yeah, Absolutely. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, he would just go. So that's how I learned 
to mix is that I would I would try to keep his sessions going. So I'd have all these beats uh, on CD and I just would work on blending stuff so that he could just keep freestyling. And then one day he brought this guy into the booth and started freestyling with him about the class that they just had and like, how's their day going? And that was you. And I was so focused on mixing that I was like, I don't care who's on the mic, like, let's go. Yeah. But you had this, uh, you played the shout out game, which I'd never heard before. And you were sending shout outs to all these different people, not name checking them. Like these, this, uh, this one goes out to all the people who like to listen to the roots. This goes out to people who like to wear Timberland boots. <laughs> and I was like, this is a really unique way of freestyling, mm. at least to me. And um, by the end of those two years, um, you had been on whenever you were, whenever you were around coming to freestyle. I had met Cyril Garrett by then, had him as a guest on the show. There was another guy from, he wasn't from the school, um, but I connected with him. There was like four or five people and we were just kind of kicking it, rapping together a little bit, planning on making music and yeah. So it all came from yeah. that show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome hearing these stories. Like just on a personal level, it's, it's so fun to remember that time. And then secondly, just thinking about how much music has changed, hip hop has changed, yeah. the technology and everything. Like, yeah, we would freestyle forever. It was all we could do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was all you could do to participate again you know you receive yeah. the inspiration but this was just the kind of dawn of home studio setups or not even really i mean yeah. all of us at laurier had our what do you even call them computers desktop tower you got the big tower and the, yeah if you have a computer at all you know some people didn't even have a computer they just used the campus ones but man it was so beautiful right like we just love the music and and you're talking about being an in at that at that point like having an in with the music industry because yeah how else are you going to find out about stuff mm -hmm. and get new stuff and hear new stuff i mean it was it was being a campus radio dj was such a great way of participating in music that like you know you couldn't otherwise you know on a level that you couldn't otherwise you know participate so for many reasons, it's fun hearing those stories. That's a great way of, uh, of framing it because I remember that's the energy that I had. I was so excited that I could participate in new ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine that was, I uh, had a, had a website about hip hop called sphere of hip hop.com and like writing him in response to like blogs that he posted, he'd write back and we'd have these email exchanges and getting like meeting managers and saying, Oh, like here, take this music. I want to, you know, see if you'd like it and play it on your show. And it was, yeah, it was just a different level. Um, our first, you know, Cyril had a microphone and a working computer. Like we recorded, we have one, we have one recorded song. We're from that group that we did like in Cyril's apartment 
one one night like it, yeah it took that was the yeah early home studio recording early early super super the dawn of that and like so obviously yeah the, you know the quality is going to be what it is uh but it was just the access you didn't have it so yeah any way you could participate was so exciting yeah it was so yeah. exciting and fun and uh and and then the community was therefore like smaller but um the community around the music was smaller but it was also i don't know there was an an energy there and a, a and a, a sense of connection that was stronger too you know i remember seeing um chaos at the who at the turret? bar no at at wilfs at wilfs okay just at the campus bar exit had just come out and that's where i'm connected more with sam baptiste who was another yeah laurier laurier hip-hop guy you know he was there he was one of 20 30 people that were there mm-hmm. um crazy yeah 30 yeah. people yeah of course because <laughs> how could you hear about the music how could you hear that sure. the concert was happening you know there's just no way um so yeah what a fun time yeah i remember yeah i mean it's a canon out there when he was starting um i remember so there were so there were there were not a lot but there were a few shows that happened and i remember going to one and that was like the was wilf's the restaurant yes and the turret was like the club that's right so we were at the turret i can't remember if it was brass monk no it wasn't brass monk because i remember i interviewed them the campus paper anyways i i don't go to the club unless there's music um you know like like uh so i I wouldn't spend a lot of time um at at the club but there was a bunch of there was some kind of hip-hop show there and you and i were both there and so in and amongst this loud so i'll let me step back one second so i knew a little bit about hip-hop when i was in high school but I i felt late to the game so when I got to know Tilo and some of the other DJs, I'd sit around and listen to them talk. Uh, and they would talk about Illmatic, right? And that was new to me, right? So I just sat and listened. But there wasn't as much I, that I could participate in. I wonder if this word is going to come up a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed learning. Um, but I couldn't really have intelligent conversation um, about hip-hop albums. And so somehow you and I were at the turret in this conversation talking about music that we like and i was really nervous because the music that i liked was so niche and when i would sort of play it in high school like for the basketball team i sort of get laughed right out of out of the room but i mustered up the courage to talk about stuff that i was listening to at the time which two really influential albums for me were Transpare MC, Transpare MC by MG the Visionary, and Raw Material by Marzil. I met just mentioned them in passing as part of and thought that wouldn't no one would recognize it. And you said, Oh yeah, I've heard those albums, they're pretty dope. And I and I thought, all right, I'm gonna be friends with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did you go to the Marzil show in Toronto? Was it like oh three? Was I there with you? Uh, I went. Yeah. I borrowed my friend's car. I didn't know how to park in Toronto. 
So I just parked on a road. I didn't pay. I didn't get a tick. Um, like I didn't pay for parking or anything like that. Got that mug towed. Oh no! I left left the show at midnight or whatever. No car, and uh, figured out my way how to get a a car uh, out of the impound. Yeah. That's the worst feeling. <laughs> well, it was because it wasn't wasn't my car. I had to call them at midnight and be like, "Yo, what's your license plate? I have to go retrieve your car." Why? Oh, no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to know if you know it. <laughs> yeah, Marzial. I remember Cyril. I think Cyril might have put that show on. The listener okay. was there. That was a very heavy Deep Space Five. That was that was a fun show. Yeah. Um. So I think at this one where I mentioned Marzell to you and, and MG, this is what I think happened. I think that you gave me your email address uh, just on a slip of paper. You wrote it down. And then I, and so I'm like all excited about, you know, being your friend now. And uh, the next day I email you and I get a bounce back. It fails. Right. And I'm like, this man gave me a fake email address. I was so mad. I was like, yo, you just didn't want to be friends. You don't have to be like that. Got bent, all bent out of shape. And then a day or two later, we, because Laurier's campus is so small, like you see people all the time. So we just wound up leaving class, walking beside each other. And it's like, I said, yo, I tried to email you, you know, S. Cabargo at Hotmail. And he's like, no, my name's Cabango. Like, okay, well, crisis averted then. Poor penmanship. <laughs> Thankfully, we're still friends. <laughs> oh, man, memory lane. This is yeah. good. All right, so I ask the guests to bring a story either about, around some area that we've collaborated or something that relates to our show themes, creativity, inspiration, community, or learning. Shad, what story have you brought for us today? So I'm remembering a time, John, where you organized a hang. And again, I'm fuzzy on the details. But we went to Lord, we went to the campus radio, I believe, and had like a freestyle session. Shoot. And then went to your house, I think. Yeah. And hung out. And uh and I bring that up because, you know, it was just, it was a really nice day for one thing and, and just kind of nice moment of like friendship and kind of solidifying, like you were saying, there, people would swing by the booth, freestyle, run into each other on campus, whatever. But uh, that kind of solidified something, I think, in terms of hmm. friendship and relationship. But I also bring that up because... It, it's you were ahead of your time with that. You were ahead of your age with that move. I feel like of bringing people together. Most uh, what twenty-one year olds, twenty-two year olds, <laughs> aren't um, bringing community together like that. It's not something I learned how to do until much later. Hmm. You know, decade later or more. So. Um, I, I bring that up to yeah, just shine a light on that that gift that you have. I don't know how you managed to pick that up so young, but you know, you you brought people together and you solidified something. Um, and and when I think about Laurier and 
those years and the fun we had participating in the culture of hip hop, it's like that's a that that day stands out for me. Hmm. You know, there were there are obviously all these these moments, but those moments get you know more and more fuzzy. But that that yeah, I don't know that that stands out for a couple of reasons. Yeah, I did. I did two of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you did do two of them. I wonder. Because I remember one was at, was at a, ho- a house, student house I had with my roommates, and then another one was, like, at my apartment? Yeah. So yeah. that I was, I would have been married. I got married my fourth year of university. The one I'm remembering more is at the house. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one I'm remembering more. And obviously, you know, we've we've remained connected and we've collaborated a bunch of times but for some reason that that stands out way back then stands out to me i'm curious that you using the word solidified yeah was that like um like a like solidified a a connection or it kind of named something that was happening you know what i mean right that's what i mean right it took a community that was, you know, that was there and, and something that was happening and it crystallized it. Right. Or celebrated it, you know? Yeah. Which, again, like is something I, I I didn't learn about doing until much later. Yeah, so I, I imagine that we would have come together in eight. Uh, and then what I did was book with the radio station um kind of off hours it must have been a saturday or something yeah it was like, like a, it was a saturday i think so they just gave us you know saturday night they were that i don't know if they had anything going on but like yeah for a, a couple of three hours booked the booth and just spun tunes talked freestyled together people like i said if you have a contribution or you want to bring a song um I I still have those sessions too. I think Relic was there. Yeah, that was the first time I met Relic. Yeah. Um that I went he, on to collaborate with a lot. Yes. I was uh it was interesting because let's see if I have any dots I can connect. So so I met a guy who was managing some artists and he told me about Rel who now goes by Rel McCoy. Back then he went by Relic the Oddity. Um, and so I must have connected with him to get some music and <laughs> convinced him, this hermit, to drive from Brampton to Waterloo, uh, which he did a couple of times for me. He could do shows and stuff. Um, but uh, he, in his freestyle, I remember he said, I've never been this far away from home. <laughs> <laughs> But I was playing this show for uh, some other folks that uh, were had were doing a little bit of mentoring with me, and they were listening to the freestyles and like the varying levels of skill that were there, um, and they actually picked out how well you and Rel clicked mm-hmm. with the rhymes, especially in the freestyles, going back and forth. Where like at one point Rel's uh, clutching a little bit, and he like is trying to remember like he's he's like i can't remember your name and then you jump in on the mic and it's like my name is shad and then, and then start going and then he starts hyping you up and then you all are trading bars back and forth that's awesome um 
that was that was really cool to see. Yeah, and it's like you know, I listen to it occasionally. It's a very sprawling show, but yeah, you're right about you know being there. It was a really neat experience to just have people come together. It was a good energy that day, and yeah, and it was cool. Um, yeah, I remember that was my first time meeting Relic, but I had heard some of his tunes probably through you. And again, given that this was the era of just the dawn of home recordings, it was like, how's this guy making music that sounds this good? Yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah, he was a hermit with a home studio. Yeah. Yeah. This was like, really, I had, yeah. The further we get on in history, the harder it is to remember that it was impossible to make music like that yeah. sounded that good. Like to understand, to learn about sampling and how to really do it with the machines and process things properly. And yeah. So yeah, I do remember, I remember um, just a good vibe and good energy and most of us knowing each other, but not knowing a couple of the people there, including Relic. But you, yeah. you, you, you managed to facilitate and make it, make it good. Well, thank you for that memory because uh, it was really nice. I I remember um, I had a good group of friends in high school. Um, we would get together and do a bunch of like I want I want to say nerdy things, but not really just stuff we were interested in. We weren't we did not have too crazy a life. We'd watch hockey. We'd have these um, you know. In, in 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 that in the nineties, the Leafs and the Habs only played each other twice a year. Yeah. So those Saturday nights was like fifteen people together watching hockey. Yeah. And I, I always just liked that vibe. I did enjoy people that I knew meeting each other. It's uh, an intangible thing for me, but it's something I I quite enjoy. Yeah. There's, it's funny. Um, my my story is going to be about this too, about about that era. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a there was a richness there um, that I appreciated, even within like a community that I didn't know too well. Yeah, I I, I just really um, I really appreciated that connection. So I'm I'm curious. You talked about you know what you saw there from that gathering, and it's not something that you learned. Till later, I'm curious if you recall how those things started to settle in because it seems to me, by your discussion of like the idea of what it means to be a host, that hosting that those connections have a lot of value to you mm-hmm. in your in your adult life. Like, how did that grow? Can you can you recall uh, some things that brought that about? Yeah, big time. Um... Well, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, trying to think of some very formative experiences. The first that comes to mind is when I lived in Vancouver. Um, I was part of a, a community there that um, people know Commercial Drive, East Vancouver. It's a very neighborhoody neighborhood. Okay. But within that, I was part of a friend group in a, a, a church community there that was very big on the local 
and very big on facilitating connections and community with the local, you know, with really the people in front of you and around you, you know, right in front of you and, and all around you. And, um, and what that, what that involves, you know, eating together mm-hmm. on a regular basis, crossing paths on a regular basis, you know, making sure that that happens. Um, having real conversations about real things, deep things on a regular basis. And so it's a very neighborhoody neighborhood, but it's also a transient neighborhood uh, because it's a big city, it's expensive city, increasingly expensive. That connection is that much more precious, um, but also yeah, but also it's it's more complicated. So like how do you how do you form community? How do you form connection when you know that it, it, it might not last in the same form? Right. So I learned a lot from that time there about like those people really learned how to be wherever you are, which we talked about a little bit at the at the outset, you know, even if you might be moving on soon. Still put down roots still be inhabit the place where you are and connect with the people around you in an intentional way and uh strangely that makes it better when you do have to move on right strangely yeah you know so i learned a lot i learned a lot about um connection and community and place making and all that from from my time there um but also various people along the way that I just noticed have that ability to kind of intentionally reach out to people and they just understand what it takes to build relationship. It doesn't, it just doesn't happen by accident, you know, Right. it's not. Yeah. Especially the older we get, <laughs> you know, when you're young and you cross paths with a million people all the time, it's like, you know, whatever. But, uh, older you get the more you understand that no it takes a level of uh, effort and intentionality and all that i like that um because if folks don't know i'm a big shad nerd um so i listen to to all your interviews and and i've got a i've got a healthy collection of your uh songs with features and and demos and whatever but you did a podcast recently. I haven't checked out yet. Um, the podcast called Soft Revolution, mm-hmm. and the the title of the episode is "We Have to Get Back Together Again." Mm. And I mean that resonates with me, um, knowing you, but also just some of the other interviews I've heard with you. It seems like we are going to need some intentionality to re uh, uh, to uh, foster or or reconnect. Um, in the ways that um, this world has disconnected us. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, and the sad thing is, we can easily forget as human beings. You know, we're we're so adaptable. It's our great gift, but it also the downside of it is, you know, we're so adaptable we can forget that we're missing something. That, you know, things aren't optimal. Things aren't. We're missing something, and. Like I, I was just hanging out yesterday 
with um, my oldest friend, a girl I knew from I've known since kindergarten, who married another very good friend, Justin, who does all my artwork and every, oh yeah, shout out to stuff. Justin. Shout out to Justin. So the, Justin married my oldest friend. Oh word, that's dope. So we were hanging out and then hanging out with another friend that I've known since ninth grade at a restaurant and just just having a great night. And like at the end of the night, we were remarking at how this restaurant facilitated our connection. Hmm. You know, the food, the excitement of being of being there, enjoying that food together in this different space, the excellent, you know, food that that we were having the reason that it gave for us to not wear sweatpants for the first time in <laughs> 18 months, um, the lighting, the mood, the time that we got to get, you know, three hours straight, you know, no, no kids, no cooking and washing dishes. And, you know, we were remarking at how that restaurant facilitated that connection. Mm-hmm. And well, we've forgotten that, you know, we haven't had these things for the yeah. last couple of years so we'd all forgotten that that's the social function that these places serve and so they can come to feel quite non-essential at a certain point but it's like no it is it is essential it's part of our culture in north america you know yeah. and so we do have to remember our we basically have to remember our culture we had to get rid of it yeah so we do, we have to, we have to remember, we have to get back together and we have to remember how we did that in our culture, what facilitated connection. Man, that's real. We do, we do forget. I've heard in other interviews, you discuss that the cre- the content of your new album was conceived before we had these um, before we had this um, pandemic crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the elevator pitch, I think, for Tao is about um, these various aspects of human connection or, or human experience that we've lost touch with. Mm-hmm. And what I'm struck with, with by what you said is that for those that remember... Um, we need to share, we need to encourage, we need to exhort, um, we need to remind um, so that we don't forget. Um, I think that in my 2020 experience, speaking up in ways like that takes courage. I wonder if as you head towards this um, album cycle with this very significant message, what are you feeling as you're approaching? I feel really, I feel really excited, John. Like I love talking about this stuff. Hmm. It's, it fascinates me and I think it's really important. It's what I'm, it's also what I'm drawn to naturally. I think every time I make an album, I'm always, while I'm making it, I feel like I'm on, a very specific journey. I'm doing something very different than I've done the time before. Then I get to the end and I, I'm like, ah, oh, I just made the same album again. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. Because at the end of the day, this is what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. This is really the question that is like in my soul. 
you know, which is just, it's just peace at the end of the day. Yeah. That's the thing I'm most interested in peace. How can I get along with myself and how can we all get along and how can we be well? How can we feel whole? How can I feel whole? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the puzzle that really, when, when I started making music, people would ask me like, Oh, you, you know, you, you talk about some real things. Like what's your, what's your message? And I was like, I don't have a message. I'm just kind of me. Now I'm like, Oh, I totally have a message. Yeah. This is it. This is my message. This is what yeah. I'm on about. This is what I'm interested in. This is what I keep telling myself, you know? Um, so I'm excited to talk about it. And I, I feel like we need, I think we need to talk about it. Like we, uh, we are recording this a week before the federal election. And, Ooh. and I feel like, I feel like this isn't even a time to talk about specific issues because the real issue is we don't really have a society that we, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't mm-hmm. celebrate Canada Day because we collectively decided we're not proud of our society, wow. right? Which is good. Yeah. But yeah. but where's the follow-up conversation? The, the follow-up conversation is like, okay, so who wants to lead? No, mm-hmm. the follow-up conversation is... <laughs> what can we be proud of who do we want to be that we can be proud of that's the follow-up conversation you know um so i'm excited to talk about all this stuff i feel like i really feel like this is where we're at and this is you know that leadership this is i love this but i i i've been passing it off as uh, irritating um i my summer book reading list was very small uh, because I have five children. Um, I got Propaganda's book, Terraform. Dope. And I got Show Baraka's book, He Saw That It Was Good. Dope. Now, I knew a lot about Terraform just, and, and you, you was it this year that you did the coffee uh, chat yeah. with, with Propaganda on yeah. his Instagram? Yes. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was fun to watch. A year out in Nova Scotia pretending to make coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I knew, I knew about this book, um, because he had to, he had to do more than an elevator pitch because what is Terraform, right? It's the formation of worlds and his idea or his, his thesis is that, you know, we make up so much of our culture, right? Um, we make worlds, we've been making worlds, so let's make better worlds, Yes. right? Let's make a better world. Let's decide to do it and let's put this to the task. How can we connect with, um, how can we connect with the soil and how can we connect with people? And he's been doing a bunch of music that connects to it, that that links these ideas together. And I go, that's great. Um, I I won't call it high-minded. I don't have a better word right now, but I'm going to take a bird's eye view of society, step back and think uh, in ideals. Mm-hmm. And then show Baraka's book is about the same thing. It's like words create. So let's have better words. Mm. We have stories about ourselves. Yeah. We need to tell better stories. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, let's take your work which yep. is on the same tip, yep. 
and put yeah. that into the mix. Yeah. And we got we got some rappers out here in 2021 telling us to think bigger. Yeah, we're all on the same wavelength. On that topic of stories, yeah, I was really thinking about that the other day and I was thinking about how how much we are how much time we spend in our own story in the age of social media. Sure. And what a small story that is and how that makes us it's not good for us we have to spend time in better stories and bigger stories because if we spend so much time in the story of ourselves of course we're going to begin to think that it begins and ends with us Mm -hmm. you know and so if my story ends then what else is there there's nothing else that's not that's not good no it's not good for us as individuals and it's really not good for us together so absolutely we need to we need better stories or maybe we just need to remember the good stories and spend more time in them than the very tiny story of ourselves of course the irony is like these technologies are supposed to connect us to each other and something bigger but they don't we all know that they make us actually just more and more immersed in ourselves and our own narrative and uh it's not it's not good so i'm i'm on the same wavelength as as those guys absolutely and that's cool to see especially after a year and a half apart that okay like okay there's something in the air yeah feels that way to me but you know i don't know i'm sure everybody feels that way about whatever they're on about so i don't want to put too much stock in that but but yeah i don't know that's that's really my sense of things john if i had Mm -hmm. to tell you i think we're at a point where we we do need to i like what you're saying about prop too like we need to decide we need to decide what we want what we think is good about human life we got to make some big and fundamental decisions i think it's not just like which party do we want to vote for. It's much more fundamental than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's real. We're going to take a break and we'll be back very shortly with my story yes. on the John Corbin podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations about creativity, inspiration, community, and learning together, Consider becoming a monthly supporter at patreon.com slash John Corbin. Your monthly financial support not only allows the podcast to keep running, but it also enables it to reach higher heights. There are no tiers or levels of support. Simply pay what you choose. Patreon supporters get regular behind the scenes updates on the show, sneak peeks at upcoming guests, as well as access to whatever creative material I'm working on whether that's exclusive songs, poems, essays, DJ mixes, and a whole lot more. Check it out at patreon.com. We are back on the John Corbin podcast. My guest today is Shadrach Cabargo. No, wait, Cabango. The homie Shad, we've been 
reminiscing. We have had so many stories um, that we won't be able to cover them all here um, through 18, 19 years of knowing each other. One of the things I have to say early is that I'm really glad. Like, I, I, can, t- I can say to people, I was there when I when you won the competition with the Kitchener radio station that got you the money to record your first album. Like I can say I was at that showcase. I watched you compete against Rufus, the singer, and pull out a guitar and get a band and and rap your way to your first record. It's amazing there, to me. There, there, yeah, that was um again we're talking about a bit of a different era you know like yeah if if you happen to listen to the radio and know about that competition know about the event you know be friends with people that were in it then maybe you were there anyways i don't want to cut you off but yeah like uh it wasn't there wasn't much about it on the internet you know what i mean like it was no. early days yeah i remember like you know when the album came out then that was it you know that was a part of the press, like that you had won this competition and, and it's a cool story that again, wouldn't necessarily be ubiquitous locally, but yeah, if you, you know, you listen to that kind of music and you listen to that radio station, then you're going to find, find it. Yeah. Um, what was neat is you're making the album and I guess what I was getting, to, what I was, what I was, was thinking about was, the number of ways that you made space for me even after that fact. Um, because certainly I never felt entitled. So I always felt honored. Um, and there was, a, there was a season where I think when you were independent artist, um, where we could invite each other to stuff that the nature of that changed when you got signed to label and played bigger shows and that kind of stuff. Um, but I remember you joining me at my church. They, the church was connected to a wider network of pastors and my pastor wanted us to rap for this group to show folks like how hip hop can like how hip hop and faith expression can coexist, which is quite forward thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I remember you, you brought out the guitar and, and, uh, and, did rock to it and I, I backed you up um there was some show in a school in london that you brought me to open i i you had our band open at one of the two old prince release parties that were in london that's right yeah call the office call the office man like i'm just again yeah i'm not owed any of it I didn't even know necessarily what I was doing. I've always sort of been indie and I've, you know, built a career and a family and just been blessed to do music. Um, Ajax, 2011, 2011, um, you were playing a church in Ajax. That one I called you and said, hey, <laughs> and, and you were, you were able to get, uh, they didn't have an opener and, and, uh, and you put in a good word for me and that, that led to some cool opportunity as well. But, um, I've, I've been, yeah, I've been thankful for the ways that you've, you've made, you've made space. Um, and I've been like going back and forth on my story because, 
um, in my last year of university, uh, I promoted a show that was like easily one of my favorite concerts. Um, uh, Mike Downing was the host. He's now John, goes by John Orpheus. He just wrote this amazing book called Saga Boy. Uh, Fraser opened. Um, Cyril and I did a set. Uh, you and Relic both performed, and it was just we blew the roof off the place. It was wonderful. But I think my story is going to go um, just a little bit further back. In between that sort of the group of us coming together, talking about, uh, or so coming together, freestyling on the show, doing doing that big, long, extended show, which I think crystallized things for you. At some point, there was a group of five of us that were talking about making music. You, I think you had an a song recorded with a DJ named TM Jukes, but it was within a group. Um, yeah. And you were occasionally performing um, with Bread and Water, uh, right. which was the group. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can recall. I don't feel like you had um, incredibly high aspirations um, with making music. I mean, you're in school. Yeah. But at some point we said, like, we should do something as a group. And... Um, had some beats and and were were working, but what stood out more for me than the music that was never completed was a uh, a time that we went to a place called the Lotus Tea House in Waterloo, and it was a tea house. It was yeah. vegetarian food and tea, and. Um, we had a lovely time, the five rappers sitting there drinking tea and talking about life. But we were talking about if we were going to do music, what would we do and, and sort of trying to coalesce some ideas. And one of the things that you said that stood out to me, it's always stood out to me, is that you said, like, what I like about this group is that everyone is that dude. It's like, Fraser, he does freestyle and talks philosophically and that he's just that dude and like jamie he does this and this and this he's that dude and cyril he's like theology and like preaching and and, and this crazy crazy wordy raps he's that dude to me it was like we're all us this is before yeah i'll say it this is before any of the contests or getting signed or heavy touring or all the ways that your life would change You've still always been that dude. Mm. And I actually, like, I'm amazed. Because I don't think it means that you haven't changed. I think you're a person of conviction. I think you hang on to your convictions. I think, you know, the world changes. And, you know, I don't know if you ever thought that you'd be on a plane as much as you've done or traveled as much as you've done or um, had all these interesting experiences, meet all these interesting people. But, again, I've known you for so long. You've always been that dude. Mm. Does that resonate with you? Like, are you, yeah, like I, I appreciate that. Uh, I I have no, I don't have much perspective um, mm -hmm. to to be able to say really if it resonates. But I I really appreciate that, John. Like, because I think it's I think it's a good thing. You you're not saying, you know, you're saying I think you're saying you haven't changed in a good in a good in the good way. You know what I mean? Like in the good way. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, and even that idea that you're talking about, like, uh, of seeing seeing good in in people. It's like that's one of my favorite things about music too. Is I feel like in the community of music, one unique thing that we really get to enjoy is we get to see we get to really see each other and the beauty in each other in a way that I don't imagine other people get to in, in a professional environment. You know, you get to see one side of your colleagues, maybe, you know, you might get to see them shine, but we really get to see each other's soul, you know? Hmm. And I love that. I love that about my friends in music. It's like, I, I, I get to see this, enjoy this, distillation of who they are it's a very beautiful thing i get the sense that you treasure it i really do i really do i've come to think of it in terms of uh painting lately like everyone has certain colors that they paint with like emotionally so myself for example like i uh when i make music the tools that I have to engage people for the most part are um, like humor and uh, the, the, the amount of, of thought I might put into an idea, you know, these, these are the, these are the colors that I paint with, you know, and, and some emotion, but in, in a specific kind of way, I paint with emotion. Then there's other people that, wow, their music is just so rich with emotion. It's just so emotional, you know, mm-hmm. or they can really express rage. Let's say I can't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I really come to admire the different colors that, uh, that people paint with in their music. I really feel like that's like their soul. Um, and I, I, I really treasure that, that I get to see that with all my friends, you know, when they get up on a stage or when they send me music, I'm like, yo, like, this is this person's soul. This is, this is the colors that they paint with so beautifully. I don't have access to all of them. Um, anyways, I'm kind of like rambling, but yeah, I'm (laughs) just saying all that to say, I still treasure that. Yeah, I think in that sense, like, I think, I think then, yeah, with those, with those connections, those people, those communities, it, it makes you a very rich man. It it does make me a very rich man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm touched by it every time. I'm curious about this. Um, you can see how people paint. Mm-hmm. There is a sentiment. Um, I'm sure it's in all I'm sure it's in all creative art forms, but I'll think about rappers specifically. We get to that point where it's like, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Um we we enjoy it. But yeah, like I wish I could I wish I could do that. Or you, you yeah. the, the 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 I wish I made that song. Yeah. How do you do you have those experiences? How do you process that? Because I think that we could sure. learn from people. Mm-hmm. And maybe adopt new practices, but it's it's a it's a very fine balance, like yeah. knowing who you are and engaging other people's work. Yeah, totally, totally. That's such a, it's like a challenge, but it's like it's also where the beauty is, right? Like, uh, 
always think of things like I was saying before we started recording in basketball terms. So, you know, Mm -hmm. like Steph Curry and LeBron James, you know, Steph can't, Steph can be like, man, LeBron can just do everything on a basketball court. It's unreal, you know, go grab the rebound or block a shot on that end, take it the length of the court, post a guy up, you know, but Steph has to be like, but I'm Steph. Yeah. And I can do my Steph thing. Yeah. You know? And if you really do it well, you change the game. And people try to start to play the way you play. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's the that's the beauty of it. That's kind of the part of the charm of it, too. Right? Like, a Steph comes in. Now everyone wants to shoot from half. Yeah. But there's still only one Steph true there's still only one step yeah you know and i feel like it's the same thing like i'll see uh i'm trying to think of someone with quite a different skill set like uh like every time i play with card now like i hate playing with card now <laughs> yeah i hate playing with that guy he's like the only guy i just loathe being anywhere near any stage that he's gonna go on <laughs> he destroys everything it's crazy and he just he just destroys everything. There's nothing left. You yeah. know, there's nothing left. Um, I, I admire it so much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like that's he's that guy. And it, it but and it forces me to go deeper into what I do. I can't do that. Yeah. You know, I'm imagining Steph like, you know, watching Braun. It's like I can hit the weight room. Yeah, but I ain't, trust, I ain't surviving and, and, in the paint. And trust me, I'm gonna hit the weight room, but I'm not coming out like Braun. <laughs> I could spend my whole life in there. I'm not coming out like Braun. Um, but I'd imagine that forces Steph to lean into what he does, you know, and go. I want to be as great as Braun. I just have to do it my way, right? Or I want to help a team win. Mm-hmm. But I just gotta I gotta offer what I can offer to help a team win. And yeah, it's gonna inspire me to go in the weight room, but like not with any illusions I'm gonna come out like Braun. But you know, yeah, it, it inspires me to do that too. Yeah, I'm gonna know? put in work. I'm gonna put in work. I'm gonna try and add some of what that person does well, you know. But ultimately it's about leaning into what what I what I do well to extend the Braun Steph metaphor, it's like, look what they both bring to the NBA, you know, together they've elevated basketball together. They've given us what four NBA finals or something, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think about hip hop. I think about hip hop the same way. You know, I I've come to love that feeling of seeing an artist and being like, Oh, like I wish I could do that. That's when it's, that's when it's good. Right. You know, but that's that's their colors that they paint with. I don't I don't got them or I don't have. I don't have all those reds. Yep, I got a couple of them, but that person, they have every shade. So, uh, yeah, that's good. I like that. When I started with um, Lost and Found Music in 2016, I was working with uh, I was working with Jermaine and first in a, in a a consultant's role maybe a creative uh creative director at at some point but we used to talk about um forming a team mm. of artists 
in the same with the same basketball metaphors. We would identify the kind of players that he currently had on the roster. Yeah. Um, and and the artists and their sort of NBA equivalents. Yeah. And then that was then our strategy for here are the skill sets that we need to complete this basketball team. And those are the kinds of people that we're gonna look for locally to to find. That's cool. That's cool. I love that. Have you ever done have you ever thought about your NBA or your basketball equivalent and <laughs> your com- contribution to the rap game? The weird the weird thing is that they it, it's the players that look like me. <laughs> I physically feel like look like you. Physically look like me. <laughs> I'm like for some reason I feel like this is me. Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell. <laughs> I am the Sam Cassell of the game. <laughs> I love it. For some it. reason it's just true. And then uh this year in the NBA in this year a few people have pointed out to me that I resemble Chris Middleton a little bit. Oh yeah. There was some there was some Instagramming going yeah. on during the finals. Yeah. There's a little there's a little Chris Middleton to my to my flow. But uh <laughs> I think I'm truly I'm I'm Sam Cassell of, of the game. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I'm the Sam Cassell of the game. And I, I can't even put my finger on why, but it's just true. <laughs> <laughs> well Sam Sam had an edge. Yeah. Um for sure, but he just ran it. Yeah. That's that's the interesting thing that I like about his game. He's like <clears throat> he there were players on his team that were better than him. Yes. And bigger than him. Yeah. But he ran it. Yeah, that's true. That was his team. That's true. Yeah. You know, it just he, he shows up in Houston. Houston was like the weirdest champion ever. You know, yeah. it really is just like Akeem especially the second time around, you know, it was, or no, maybe it was the first time around. Yeah. Not your classic championship roster. Mm-hmm. And Sam Cassell was just like a rookie or a first, second year player or something. But he just stepped right in, did his thing. And then, and then he kicked around the league. He was a good player for a while. Might've snuck on one all-star team mm-hmm. somewhere along the way, you know, play with the bucks. They had a couple good teams or Minnesota. Yeah. It was Minnesota. They were all right. He's a guy that if you really know the era, you'd be like, oh, no, he was nice. Yeah, he was nice. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, oh, boy. I don't know. I But I, I truly can't put my finger on it. It's really just more of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's not something I've spent a lot of time thinking about, um, but it's a fun little exercise. I think I think you might be selling yourself a little short at, at Sam. Um but what's interesting is I, I doubt that you've spent a lot of time time thinking about this, but I always found it interesting that you being a part of Hip Hop Evolution, I, I wonder if you had that reaction where there would be folks that you'd be interviewing and be like, you know, the, 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 the self-focused nature of the United States um, and, you know, your... Uh, forays into your your forays into states you tour a lot there but i don't know how much the 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 big 
hitters know your name, but I bet they when they heard you after they'd be like, oh yeah, he was he's nice, he's nice. I I I wonder how much time you spend thinking about like your place in hip hop now that you've gone and talked to pretty much everybody. Yeah, um, I mean, I've I think I see my place as uh, well, kind of kind of unique uh, in the sense that. A lot of the people we interview, they're part of they're part of some kind of movement, if that makes yeah. sense. You know, like a tribe called Quest, De La Soul. You know, they were great in and of themselves, sure. but but what they all represented together as the native tongues, yeah, is why they were part of hip hop evolution. Or um, the examples go on and on. You know what I mean? Like there, there's a lot of basically there's a lot of great hip-hop artists that aren't in hip-hop evolution and largely because they aren't part of a larger narrative right you know as naughty by nature was just a great group you know that but but they weren't part of a larger thing that was happening mm-hmm. you know within hip-hop i think i'm probably something like that in canada right. um in the sense that you know i've enjoyed a, a good career thus far but I don't think you're telling a larger story about Canadian hip hop through my work. It, my work's kind of just been its own thing. Mm-hmm. I think I think maybe that's fair to say. Yeah, I'm really a product of my era for sure. Uh, in the sense that I started independent, you know, when that be- started to be more and more possible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. Um, launching yourself internationally as an independent in hip hop coming from Canada still wasn't quite possible. Yeah. My career is mainly here, but that's also informed by like my influences from the nineties and early two thousands in terms of underground hip hop and artists that really had a sense of place. I mean, that's true all through hip hop, you know? So that's something I've always leaned into that this is where I'm from and this is who I'm speaking to. I guess all that to say, yeah, I I feel like I have a place in this in this country in this in this country's musical conversation, cultural conversation, but uh, it's always it's always been kind of uniquely my place. I don't think I've ever I don't think I'm part of a bigger. Movement. I don't think I'm seen as I don't think I'm I'm viewed as part of a bigger movement or seen or anything like that. Yeah. If that makes sense, that that no. would be my sense of me, in the context of you know hip hop in this in this country. Yeah, it does make sense for sure. I mean, like when I was in university and watching much music, I was seeing Chaos and Cardinal and Kanan, yeah. uh, and take their work internationally. Yeah. Um, and then when Drake comes and shifts things. You know, there was a there was a a period of time there where it was uh where you could say, Oh, do you know Shad? No. Um I mean he's a, a really excellent lyricist. I mean, you know Drake, right? Um yeah, he beat Drake in the Junos. Yeah. Uh I think their music's probably quite different. Um and 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 I think what Drake did uh, you know, shifted things so significantly. Yes. Um so yeah, that's yeah, that's well said. That's that's a good 
what I, it does come back around to this idea of being that dude is that you really have to have a good sense of self. Um, yeah, I think I think that's my that's where I get to. That's how I've gotten to participate, you know, is right. is for the most part um, in the musical landscape of this country and the cultural conversation in this country. That's where I've been able to participate to make my contributions. And uh, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And then, yeah, that like the way things sort of happen to land in time is, is just it's it's interesting to me. You know, Drake changed everything. Yeah. You know, it, it it's it, to the point where it, it would be very easy to almost not remember anything in Canadian hip hop before Drake, before Drake. really changed everything. Yeah. And so I hope somebody will capture the history here to say, hey, you know, Cardi's a monster. Chaos is a monster. Yeah. Mishimi, Maestro, Dream yeah. Warriors. Like we we've had hip hop here for a long time yeah. and it's been excellent. Um, you know, just to just to you know make sure that's that's there and captured. Uh, because once Drake came along, like the ceiling was smashed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that's so positive for for hip hop artists here. But it's like to the extent where, like, yeah, you might not remember. <laughs> you might not remember. <laughs> that there was anything before. Yeah. 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 Well, it's good to have these conversations then so that we, that we don't forget. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my sense of things. Sam Cassell of it all. <laughs> we got game Sam Cassell. Yeah. Um, We've talked, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up here. We've talked a little bit about the album Tao coming out. I'm curious if you have, like you said, you've been able to participate in the musical conversation here in this country and the cultural conversation. The cultural one, uh, I've seen more opportunities for you um, over the years. I mean, obviously being a part of the National Broadcaster is one thing, but I also feel like you brought yourself to that in ways that... Um, uh, won't get credited or maybe later it'll be like, yeah, he was nice. He was nice. Um, you were one of the, you know, listening to that show prior. Um, what I, what I saw you do in small measure. And I, I thought it was, would have come more if you had more time was find the through lines between, uh, between the guests between within a week. What did you learn within a week? Mm -hmm. Um, you were a reflective dude. I'm I'm digressing here, but I'm just publicly giving you props mm -hmm. um, uh, for for finding uh, for finding um, lanes within that show. Um, I hadn't heard people do that. Like, oh, this interview connects with this interview. Really? Yeah, because we're because I'm actually thinking about it, and this is what can help us um, going forward. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's cool. I, I do I do think that's the um, purpose of the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, that to me is the purpose of having a arts and culture entertainment show is to help people navigate all the changes in our, you know, in our, in our cultural landscape and say, Hey, like, this is what's happening. You know, you're listening to some of the, the better artists in the world tell you about, you know, what they're doing and their sense of things. 
and uh, through that, hopefully you're getting a sense of how the world is shifting. I, I appreciate that, that you took the time um, because we have grown up in the era of late night television interviews, um, which are prepackaged and, um, and in the era of YouTube, you know, we'll yeah. get those highlights that are great for YouTube. Um, but we, have, we don't always see the through lines there, which cool. I was glad that you did. There's, there's some ways in public and, oh, and shoot, Canada Reads being a part of, like, there's ways that you've participated in cultural conversations. Um, I would say, like, more publicly, um, I think last year we participated in something uh, in Milton, um, virtually, uh, with um, Black residents of Milton and, and um, having, you know, uh, uh, a different kind of public conversation. All of that to say is, do you have any hopes for the conversations that you want to have through this album? Mm. Yeah, I do. I um, I hope for um, like you 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 mentioned the podcast that I did, the Soft Revolution podcast with Torque uh, Campbell of Stars mm-hmm. and Ali. Um. And the, the headline of that is like a spiritual revolution. Right. And and I do I do hope for something like that. Um, in the sense of like I was saying, I want us to get to a soft place. I want us to get to a fundamental place in our conversation, in the larger cultural conversation. I want us to get past issues and down to the really basic questions of what do we as a society think a human being is? Do we think it's sacred or not? Or data points? Right. Really, what do we think about that? And what do we think, based on that maybe, what do we think a human being deserves? to have healthcare, housing, clean food, clean air, access to water. But it comes down to like, what do we want? Right. What do we want? It's, not, it's actually not a question. It's actually a super, not, it's not an easy question for right. us as individuals, let alone as a society. But I, I want us to, I want us to turn there more. Um, and I want us to, maybe even more than that, I want us to turn there together. I think there's one thing I keep thinking about as I was making the album and even now afterwards is like, we are social creatures and we need each other. There's nothing that can be achieved by ourselves. And that's a lot of the rhetoric that's out there consciously or subconsciously. There's a voice that says, if we want to fix it, we got to each of us individually do this or do that, you know, or not just do this or do that, do this and do that and do that. And, and then self-care too, because you're going to get tired, <laughs> you know, no, we need each other. Mm-hmm. We can't do anything by ourselves. We can't, no individual can stray that far from the rest of the human family to just whatever. We're all implicated, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we need each other. So that's, I want, I want, us to start thinking more in those terms and and 
to that point, I my album can't do it. I can't do it, you know, but maybe my album and that other person's album and that other person's album and that other person's album and all these different people can help steer it, steer us back together. But I would love to see that revolution happen where we're steering back towards each other, towards the land, towards the transcendent, you know, towards all the things that we truly need and I think want. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Yeah. Because the the very next thing I thought in my head is I don't really know what I want. Which is uh, Ian Kamau's opening line on your uh, song from The Old Prince. That's right. Which my grade nine students are going to be studying this semester. That's awesome. I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. Well, um, you know, you know, I, I came across Ian Kamau when I was at Laurier. He was opening for Chaos. That's at right. Fed, at Fed Hall at Waterloo. I was blown away by him. And I, I've always seen your reverence for his work. Yeah, that was that was a good get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, I think I've lost this file, but I remember the MySpace version of that song that you put out that had Lauren Hill on it oh wow i remember the early i'm pretty sure i had that that file um yeah so, yeah i i i remember there was yeah there was totally another version we, we changed it up for the album yeah yeah the, the lauren hill inspired tune that's right um yeah i'm i'm excited i mean i'm excited for tal i i honestly have been going back into your old work i've heard pastors say that they they only have one sermon they preach the same sermon mm. and you kind of said the same thing with yeah. with music but i think it's an important conversation because we are so prone to forgetting yeah if you want to continue to make us albums on the same same vein and and foster conversations i mean um i'm here for it and we definitely we definitely need it um so i i appreciate I've, that personally i have stayed away from i've i've listened to your singles once each yeah uh, just to know what's good and then i'm just letting it breathe until i can take in the whole project um tunes like god and black averageness uh really pique my interest um, nice. so i'm very willing to go in to go in blind but um i i'm really appreciative that you would join us today um share your heart and mind and and uh i i think i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing what conversations um come from this new work i appreciate that john i've been looking forward to this glad we got to do it yeah it's been uh it's been a a long time coming but uh i think this is the right time thank you so much for joining me today love you buddy all right love you too man Peace. peace Thank you so much for listening to the John Corbin Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, why not become a part of it? Hit me up on social media. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all at John Corbin Music. That's J-O-N-C-O-R-B-I-N. That's right. It's John with no H. You can stay on top of my music and creative work at johncorbinmusic.com. Finally, if you're enjoying this podcast, please like 
share, favorite, and subscribe. Spreading the word is one of the best things you can do to help this podcast grow. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again soon.